Chapters 7 and 8 of The Life and Doctrine of St. Catherine of Genoa. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Life and Doctrine of St. Catherine of Genoa. Chapters 7 and 8. Chapter 7. When the use of her senses and faculties were thus lost, in her spiritual joy, she said to her humanity, Are you satisfied with being thus fed? And humanity answered, Yes, and that she would sacrifice every enjoyment in this life for it. What must have been the joys of the soul, if even humanity, so contrary to the spirit, also took delight in peace and union with God? This was the case from the beginning, but at last, that burning interior flame burst forth, and caused a corresponding suffering in the body, so that she was often obliged to press her hand upon her heart for relief. She could not have endured these pains for two successive days, and after their intensity had passed away, her heart was left melted in a divine and wonderful sweetness. God allowed her to remain for some days, in this state, and then permitted her to be assailed by another and still more violent attack, so that humanity, rather than take food, would have suffered martyrdom. Therefore, when she looked on the dead, or heard offices and masses, or even a passing bell, she rejoiced as if she were going to behold that truth, which she experienced in her heart, and she would rather have died than live separated from those things, in which she found her support and consolation she became reduced to such a condition that she had no rest but when she slept and then she felt herself freed from prison because her attention was not so continually riveted on god her desire for death remained for nearly two years and she was always asking for it saying oh cruel death why do you keep me so anxiously waiting for you this desire knew no why nor how and it continued until she began to make daily communion. Filled with this desire, she addressed death as gentle death, sweet, gracious, beautiful, strong, rich, precious death, and by every other name of honor and dignity that she could call to mind, and then added, I find, O death, but one fault in thee, thou art too sparing of thyself to him who desires thee, and too ready for him who shuns thee. Yet I see that thou dost all things, according to the will of God, which is without fault. But our irregular appetites do not correspond, for if they did so, they would rest on the divine will, in peace and silence, as death itself does, and we should have no more choice than if we were already dead and buried. But she said, it really seemed, if there were any choice for her, that death was the thing to be chosen, because thus the soul is secure from ever offering any hindrance to pure love, and is liberated from the prison of this wretched body and of the world, which, with all their power, are continually engaging her, in every way, in their occupations, while she regards them as her enemies, to which she is outwardly subjected. When she was performing cruel penances, the sensitive nature never opposed her, but was entirely obedient. But when inflamed with love, it was wonderfully how restive it became, and how much it suffered. And for this reason, because in penances the spirit corresponded to humanity, and strengthened her for her share in the work, 
but afterwards, the spirit being separated from visible things, and God operating in it without means, humanity was left in abandonment, and suffered intolerably without any help. Humanity is indeed capable of penance, but is not capable of such burning love. But everything was regulated by her merciful God, with the highest wisdom, which enabled the body to endure the most severe penance, and to live and rejoice in these agonizing flames, without complaining. And no one can know how severe is this suffering, unless he has himself experienced it. Chapter 8 in the beginning of her conversion, she devoted herself to good works, seeking for the poor throughout the city, under the guidance of the ladies of mercy, on whom devolved this charge, and who, according to the custom of the city, supplied her with money and provisions for the poor. She cleansed their houses from the most disgusting filth, and she would even put it in her mouth, in order to conquer the disgust it produced. She took home the garments of the poor, covered with dirt and vermin, and having cleansed them thoroughly, returned them to their owners. It was remarkable that nothing unclean was ever found upon herself. She also attended the sick with most devoted affection, speaking to them of their spiritual, as well as of their temporal affairs. She took charge of the great hospital of Genoa, where nothing escaped her watchful care, although her incessant occupations never diminished her affection for God, her sweet love. Neither did this love ever cause her to neglect her service in the hospital, which was regarded as a miracle by all who saw her. It is also remarkable that she never made the mistake of a single farthing, in the accounts of the large sums of money which she was obliged to keep, and, for her own little necessities, she made use of her own little income. There was once in the hospital a very pious woman of the third order of St. Francis, who was dying of a malignant fever. She was in agony for eight days, and during that time Catherine often visited her, and would say to her, Call Jesus! Unable to articulate, she moved her lips so that it was conjectured that she tried to do so, and Catherine, when she saw her mouth so filled, as it were, with Jesus, could not restrain herself from kissing her, and in this way took the fever, and only narrowly escaped death. This, however, did not diminish her zeal in the service of the hospital, to which she returned immediately upon her recovery, and devoted herself to it with great care and diligence. End of chapters 7 and 8